This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. What's good? My name is Chris Dallas. It's Trapping Anonymous. Welcome back. Welcome back. We have a special episode for you today. As always, oh man, do remember the stories that you hear do not necessarily reflect real life. They're here to entertain. Keep your little homie off the streets. This is Trapping Anonymous. My name is Chris Dallas. Let's get it. How you doing? Hi. Um, one thank you for being here. I know it's a there's a lot to get you down here, but like I said, I believe in this episode, and I don't know if you listen to any of my other episodes. I like to really jump right into um, all of my content. So, bring me to the day you got stabbed thirty three times. Um. So basically, I told him I didn't want to be with him anymore, and he just like lost it. And he was just like, you sure? He asked me like three times. He was like, you sure you don't want to be with me no more? I'm like, yeah. He was like, you sure you don't want to be with me no more? Like, I'm like, yeah. And he asked me again. And then when I said, yeah, he was like, word? Okay. He left. And when he came back, he came with a bunch of knives in his hand. Like he just grabbed a whole kitchen drawer or something with all the knives in it. And he just laid all the knives on the ground. And he asked me again, he said, sure you don't want to be with me no more. Well, if I can't have you, nobody can have you. And then he chose one of the knives, which was like a skinny, one of those big skinny steak knives, point, real pointy, like it gets skinny. It's skinnier in the beginning, then it gets wider, wider at the end, yeah. And he just really stabbed me for the first time. If I remember correctly, it was in the front. He stabbed me and I was so shocked that I couldn't move, I couldn't talk, I was like frozen. It was just like, I couldn't believe it. But then he actually didn't stop stabbing me. He just kept going and going. So I'm like trying to block it, block it, block it. Boom, he caught my finger. My Pinky finger fell on the floor. You see my, I see my bone and blood squirting like a horror movie and shit. I'm like, oh man, I was shocked. And then I just kept trying to stop him. And then he stopped and he was like, hold on, your cousin's here. He's gonna snitch on me. So I was already stabbed up crazy, bleeding everywhere. Um, so then uh, he he was like. He left the room real quick, and my cousin was in the other room sleeping, like, so I just heard some stumbling and stuff. My first instincts when he mentioned my cousin, I do feel guilty because I felt like I could have yelled or warned my cousin in any way that he was coming. You know what I mean? But my cousin, I don't know if he was asleep, I don't know what, but 
I felt like a punk because I didn't warn him. And I, but I was scared to death, honestly. I didn't know. I was just shocked. I couldn't even talk. I couldn't. So uh, then I heard stumbling. Then he comes back like five minutes later and he's all bloody. And he's like, oh my God, I killed your cousin with the knife in his hand. Like, I killed your cousin. I killed your cousin. He's not moving. He's not breathing. Oh my God. Oh my God. Then he's like, now I got to kill you too because now you're going to snitch. So he came back and started stabbing me more. But at this point, I was already hurt. I couldn't really defend myself. So I just turned to my back and I just started taking the stab wounds and stuff like that. And then, so most of the stab wounds was in my back, but then he caught my lung. So all, it felt like a, like a t you know, if you was to like stab a knife in a tire, a car tire, it just felt like air coming out and mm. then blood just oozing. But then I just, I look back and I just see blood. I'm like, yo, this shit look like a movie. And then, uh, then my breathing started. Now I couldn't breathe like that. So I'm talking like, wait, what you doing? Stop, you gonna kill me? Like stuff like that. So yeah. I didn't even tell you, but before he actually stabbed me for the first time, he was like, I, I was trying to leave and shit. So he was like taking off my clothes piece by piece. It was winter time, like January 20th, 2005 and shit. Winter in the projects, Bronze River projects and shit. And every time he asked me was I that I want to leave him and stuff, but he was like, oh, okay, so take off your pants, leave like that. I'm like, oh, you think I won't leave like this? I'll leave, I'll go in the hallway and start yelling, help, help, help. So then he's like, grabbed me, threw me on the bed, took off my shirt. So I'm, now I'm just plain naked. Like, he's like, oh, you still want to leave me and stuff? And uh, I'm sorry, I catch cramps. Ever since I got stabbed, like I get these cramps and shit right here, like when I just move a certain way and shit. But uh, yeah, then he was just like, so yeah, when he stabbed me, I was like completely naked because he was like trying to like not let me leave and shit like that, you know? So I was playing, like I used to always threaten to leave him and shit like that. So I, a part of me was serious, but a part of me was just doing what I always do. So it was just crazy when he stabbed me, how serious it was and how serious he took it. You know what I mean? Okay. I don't even know if I've heard a story that intense before, mm -hmm. right? Talk to me about the look in his eyes. Man, it's like a demon got into him. Like his eyes just turned like black, like no pupil, no nothing. It was just like glassy black. It's like a demon got into him or something like, mm -hmm. yeah. And this was obviously a boyfriend. How old were you at the time? I was six. We met when I was 15. We met in jail. I was, in, I was locked up for making a direct sale. So I was going to do my juvenile sentence and he was just coming home. He was selling, he, he was locked up for selling drugs too. And uh, I was 15 when I met him. He was 17. The juvenile is co-ed? Oh no, but the transportation buses, when you going to go do your time and stuff, they actually mix you with the boys and stuff like that. Because gotcha. they're just picking, making their stops, picking up everybody and stuff. But um, yeah, so then when I got stabbed, I was actually 16 and he was 18. Okay, so this guy that you meet in jail, mm -hmm. essentially, y'all come home, but 
You hit it off with him immediately. He actually held me down the whole time I was locked up. Like he was, he used to write to me, call me and everything. I used to have his picture on my desk. Couldn't wait to get home to be wow. with him. Like that was my love. You know what I mean? Wow. He was just so handsome, so cute. And then um, his, uh, his mom and dad, he actually had good parents. And they was trying to lead him in the right direction. Like they, he was, he ended up going to the army reserve when I was locked up. Then he came home. His dad, his dad got him a job being a mechanic with him, and then uh, he also was going to college to fix airplanes and stuff like that. Wow. So, so here was this guy you feel like was on the right track after going to jail. What was he in jail for? Selling drugs. Also. Selling drugs. Mm -hmm. And y'all meet, y'all hit it off. Things are going great. Talk to me about the tumultuous relationship that you and him must have had. Um, it was just basically like the support that he had, I didn't. Like, I just came home immediately to the same conditions on why I was selling drugs in the first place. We was poor, poor as fuck. I dropped out of school in the seventh grade to actually sell drugs and shit. I just got tired. I'm a very beautiful woman, but the boys didn't like me because I didn't. I wasn't fresh and mm. I was a bum. I had like mm. maybe two panties and two bras mm. the whole year, one pair of shoes, and you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So I just used to. I grew up watching the drug dealers on my block, and you had female hustlers too from mm. DR. Like, and there was this one girl I used to look up to. I wanted to be like her so bad when I. I got older mm -hmm. so then like in the seventh grade I just got tired and shit and I was just like man fuck this so I originally started off helping the dudes on my block like Dominicans and shit bag up and shit like that I was only like 14 and just because originally I was I was running away from foster homes and shit so my mom couldn't really control me at that age so I was already supposed to be in a foster home anyway, but I simply kept running away to be on that block. Like that block really turned me out mm. when it came to like the drug dealer thing. Then my dad was a drug dealer too. So I just always wanted to be a drug dealer and shit like that. You talk about your mom. Why, why were you in foster care if your mom was Oh, there? my mom, you know, I was born 88 crackhead you know my dad was the drug dealer my mom was the custody i was born in the heights mm. so especially you know over there definitely in the 80s was yeah so so you never met your dad i never met my dad uh i don't know if the stories my mom told me he got shot in the head that's what she heard but then other stories tell me he got deported to dr and shit like that so i don't know but but he was well known yeah, like even growing up, like, cause I grew up in that same neighborhood where I was born, where my dad was a drug dealer up until I was like five. That's when I went into the foster care system. So uh, yeah, like they used to call me his nickname and shit like that. Like everybody knew that was my dad and I was his daughter and shit. Wow, wow. Even to this day, they know, like I could go over there, they know like, oh, that's his daughter. Like, and I never met him, ain't that crazy? What does that mean to you? used to it now but I do be still trying to see if I could find him on uh, Facebook and stuff but his name is so common like as it's for a Dominican name especially the part of DR where he's from yeah so yeah maybe he'll see this episode uh, I, I really don't know if he's even alive like my mom says she heard that he got shot in the oh, head wow. and yeah. you know the 80s it, it yeah different. so I really just don't even know yeah. um okay mm-hmm so you go to, you go to foster care at five what, what is your housing situation what is life like from i know you probably don't remember too much but i remember i was from zero, going through it zero to five so oh, yeah. zero to five my mom i was born homeless for one 
my mom, you know, the lady that took her in was an old Cuban lady. That's actually the lady that I'm named after. Mm. She was an old Cuban lady that lived on the corner where my mom met my dad, 164th and St. Nicholas, mm. 163rd and St. Nicholas, sorry. And uh, she actually took my mom in because my mom was already homeless with my oldest brother. Mm -hmm. She used to see my mom running around. Then when she was about to give birth, they was about to take me away from my mom because my mom didn't have housing. So my, my grandmother, she was like, all right, I'll take her in and stuff. And I was named after her. My mom was so grateful she named me after her and stuff. Wow. wow. She continues to guide me too. She really yeah. is. She was like a Cuban lady into that whole Santeria shit. She oh, did yeah. like some spiritual shit on me when I was born. So I'm like very spiritually protected and shit like wow. that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> have you, have you uh, got into the religion at all? Uh, I'm very spiritual and I try to get into it, but I really don't like opening those type of doors because once you open up those doors, like even opening up your third eye, you can't control what comes in mm -hmm. and I don't know I just don't want to ever be considered crazy after everything I've been through it's been a, a, a journey to stay sane and shit you know what I mean so I don't ever want to be considered crazy so I just keep a boundaries with that but I'm not an extraterrestrial all that shit like I was really spiritually awoken again I don't know if that was just PTSD from the shit that I my life and shit mm -hmm. but yeah like <laughs> it's funny you said I don't want to be labeled as crazy and until I've seen an alien yeah, I know, but I, I actually was evaluated with that too, because when, when I just did Fed time, when I, like my last bed was a Fed time, and they do like something that's called PSI, and I had an IQ test done on me, I was evaluated, and I was just diagnosed with PTSD, and the guy said, he was like, I, I believe that you met somebody that said they were an extraterrestrial, but... Were they actually an extraterrestrial? Only God would know, and yeah. I don't think you're crazy because of that. So I wasn't diagnosed with any type of like hallucination or none of that. Like wow, yeah, wow, okay. So, so talk to me about what the group home, being in that group home was like. Uh, foster homes and foster homes, my whole life, group homes, my whole life. It was just always moving from place to place. For, ever since I was young, for some reason, men always had like, boys were just always sexually attracted to me. I don't know if something about me used to like let them know that I was, I have experienced some type of sexual something before because it just seemed like ever since I was young from when my mom was a crackhead, she used to just let anybody babysit me up to every foster home I ever been in, I was always molested my whole life since I was like four or five, like, yeah. Even by females, ain't that crazy? Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, if, if you don't mind, what, what was like sort of your first encounter? My first encounter, as far as I remember, was some lady that my mom used to babysit her sister made me suck her titties and shit like that. And then after that, it was another encounter where my mom let these some lady babysit me, but she had like two older sons. I don't know if there was a son, but there was two guys and I was sleeping in the bed. I'm maybe like four or five years old and they're over here both sitting in the dark with me. Mind you, I peed in the bed so they wouldn't touch me and mm -hmm. shit like that. Mm -hmm. And then they're just sitting there like playing with my butt mm -hmm. in between my panties mm -hmm. and shit like that. So that's like my very first encounter that I can remember and shit. Wow, I'm, I'm like terribly sorry that even you know, like to happen to a person, period, and then to be so young, it's like. Then when it just don't stop happening, even up until now, I'm still go through shit like that. You know what I mean? It's like it's just messed up. I watch movies. It's shit that been going on since slavery times. Women just get raped, and shit happens to us. You know what I mean? Like so. 
what, yeah. what was your introduction to sex? Uh, like, how did you lose your virginity? That's the problem. Since I was molested my whole life, I really didn't know if I was a virgin or not since I could remember wow. until I turned like around 12 years old. And there was this guy in my building to where I actually had intercourse. And then I'm like, I'm asking around and I'm like, OK, my cherry was popped now. So now I know for a fact I'm not a virgin. So, yeah, my whole life I really was struggling with that. Like, am I a virgin? or not like you know what I mean because I was so sexually experienced already I'm talking about I was getting head at seven <laughs> literally getting and giving head I know that should sound crazy but yeah like whoa oh my god yeah and it like with other seven-year-olds no with the, the foster the, the uh, older foster kids like or even Kids that used to, boys that were, used to come visit the foster family home and yeah, stuff like that. So the age gap would just, would be like teenagers. Yeah, teenagers and, and I'm just a, a seven-year-old girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is so intense. This this became a normal a normal for you. Yeah, even now it's like I'm so used to it that I ain't gonna lie. I've been raped a couple times lately and shit, and I'm just like, it really did. Like I know it wasn't right and shit, but I'm so used to it happening to me that I didn't call the cops. I didn't make a big deal about it. Even you know, yeah. So who has raped you recently? Um, I don't really want to talk. I don't want to get too into detail. I changed my mind. I don't want to get too detailed into that. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. And because this is something... Especially one of the people was just close to me. So, and they just kept doing it, doing it, doing it. One of the reasons why I'm moving out of where I was living at and shit now. Like, yeah. And your reason behind not wanting to go to the police about it it's just growing up in the hood you was always taught like snitches get stitches and shit and like and even some of the most of the dudes that I date they just be like yeah if a girl calls the cops on me it's a rap and shit and I've actually called the cops on people in the past but I just feel like calling the cops for screaming rape is a very big deal so recently I didn't do it because the person who did it they're that's their state they're known and shit it's just like I just didn't want to be the one to cause all this drama and nobody knows me. Nobody's on my side. Nobody fucks with me. Nobody knows me. I'm a stranger, but they know him. So I even had to deal with, you know, them questioning it. Did he really do that to me and stuff? Cause they don't know me. They know him, mm -hmm. but come to find out the dude does do shit like that on the, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, you know, I had to deal. I always felt like, and yeah, that just come from being in foster care too, always being a new person or new schools all the time, just being in a corner by myself where nobody knows me. So I just feel like everybody's going to gang up on me and shit versus, you know, so yeah. I feel like we're just like 10 minutes in and wow. Okay. Okay. So if we go back to the foster care and, 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 and being in all these homes. At some point, you're like going to school, whatever, but you're not like the flyest or whatever, and people are probably making fun of you. And you know, you say, I'm not when I was home. in the third grade, I used to go to school with hickeys on my neck. And the teachers used to question me like, hold on, son, that looked like a hickey. Like, so much that one time he put a hickey over my whole entire neck, like this whole side was hickey. 
And they kept asking me, the teachers was like, what happened, what happened? And I was so scared to snitch because the guy used to threaten to like kill me and shit if I told on him and shit. So uh, I ended up, there was this girl that just didn't like me for no reason. She just used to pick on me. I actually blamed her that she grabbed me by the neck. Oh, shit. And I lied on her and shit. But you could tell that wasn't oh, damn, no grab girl. mark or nothing. Who was this guy? Uh, he was the the, uh, the foster child. Um, he was the... I was in a foster home. The mo the foster mother had an adopted son that was actually her grandson. Mm. So that was that's who he was. He was like 13, 14. I was like 7, 8 and shit like that. Okay. What do you think this unhealthy relationship with sex did to you? Uh, I just haven't... Um, so it made me, uh, for one act out promiscuously because it just seemed like <sighs> I just didn't know boundaries when it comes to like sex and stuff like that even now what do you mean? like just growing up I just didn't know like I don't know like if you put it like if you put enough pressure on me like if you wanted the pussy and you put enough pressure I'll eventually just give in hmm. so it's like I can't handle it like it's hmm. just like I just really even now like the person I told you that's close to me and stuff like it's hard for me to set boundaries with the person like no you know like no like no and I do clutch my butt as tight as I can clutch my butt my thing as tight as I can and then eventually I end up giving in mm -hmm. you know what I mean so just yeah like I've never had a real serious relationship since I got stabbed up but mm -hmm. I've had mad sex so yeah <laughs> in my entire life like yeah. Okay. And we talking about mad voluntary sex? Uh, both. Both. You voluntary and voluntary. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So let's go back to foster. You're leaving foster care. Uh-huh. You, um, did the teachers buy it? Did they think that somebody really choked you? Yeah. No, they didn't. Okay. Like my third grade teacher, okay. I ended up going, my mom ended up getting custody back of me. Mm -hmm. And she gave me her phone number and everything. Mm -hmm. She stated she wanted me to stay in contact with her. Like she knew something was up, but it's like, it's the 90s. School, I remember graffiti being everywhere, bottles of crack with the colorful caps yeah. and needles being all hell over yeah. the ground, you know hell what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't too much that I don't think nobody could really do and shit, you know what I mean? Okay. So, you're like, I, I need to get my own money by the seventh grade. You're like, I need to get my own money. Mm -hmm. You drop out of school. You go to the people that you was looking up to mm -hmm. when you were younger. Well, no, they didn't want to give me packs. They was like, no, you don't, gotta, you don't need no packs. Just hang around us. We'll take care of you. What mm -hmm. you need, food, weed, mm -hmm. liquor. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I need money. Like, But mm -hmm. they just felt I was too beautiful mm -hmm. to do that. And they mm -hmm. just wanted me. They, these are older men. Mm -hmm. They wanted to take care of me. And I'm a little ass girl, 13, mm -hmm. 14. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm just like, no, I need money. Like, So then I went up the block, actually. Mm -hmm. And there was another set of you know drug dealers and owner to that block and i asked him i had my my little homies and shit asked them could i get a pack and they finally gave me a pack he gave me a whole speech before he gave it to me but mm -hmm. he gave me a pack and then i just just started selling ever since and shit what kind of money was you getting that um it was just regular ain't like i was a boss or nothing regular 40 percent you know what I mean? 30, 40%. Then eventually down the line, I ended up getting like 60% and shit like that. 
you know, but yeah. Like mm. it's, it's like spit. Yeah. Oh. I want you to look crazy. Yeah, too. please. No, I got don't. you. You can, you can, um, So, this seventh, this seventh grader making this kind of money, it, it might have been 40% to you now, but like at that time. It was a lot of money, yeah. I was able to like get fresh. And I remember when I first dropped out of school, there was this little boy. He had a crush on me, and it was Valentine's Day, and he, uh, he picked my name out of a hat, but I was already dropped out of school. He came and bring this big ass Garfield teddy bear to me. I'm on the block hustling. He's like, here. Like, <laughs> it's just so crazy. Yeah. Like really, I really grew up like a little boy, like for real. Like I was yeah. even used to dress like one. Even when I met the dude that stabbed me, I was yeah. like a little tomboy, like yeah. it, and stuff like it, that. Your life was full of these painful experiences. Um, what are some warm, heartfelt experiences that you have? Damn. From growing up? I don't really have any. I really don't. I got them now. You know, I got kids and right. stuff like that. But I can't really, I can't really remember. Yeah. That's making me a little emotional. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to cry. Sorry. Yeah. I'm not going to mess up my makeup. Nah, sorry. This is, um... I mean, we have such an unhealthy relationship with crying and tears and emotions and, Thank you. you know, dealing with things that are upsetting and bothering us. It's like, I think it's perfectly fine to... Oh, I actually do have a memory, actually. There we go. So when I was in kindergarten, my mom, she used to send me in school in like boy underwears and stuff like that because I got three brothers or whatever. <laughs> and it was time for me to graduate. Yeah. And my teacher, Ms. Jones, she bought me a nice, beautiful yellow dress mm. for my graduation mm. and stuff. I'll never forget that. Mm. Like, so that was one thing. You know what I mean? Shout yeah. out to Ms. Jones. Yeah. Shout out to her. I wonder where she's at. I wonder what her life been like. I wonder if she's even alive. Mm -hmm. No, it wasn't Miss Jones. That was my fourth grade. I don't know the lady's name, the teacher from the kindergarten. You got us giving credit to people. But yeah, my learning. whole life has always been my teachers. My teachers always saw something in me. Like mm -hmm. they, it's like they knew what I was going through, and mm -hmm. they always used to try to like keep me like just you know. I was always teacher's pet, mm -hmm. like stuff like that. So. Okay, so in, in, in the seventh grade, how, how old are you in the seventh grade? I, I don't know. What? I'm probably like 12. Because like I got left back in the first grade for beating the principal up and all that. I didn't want to be in the, in the foster home. I just got to the foster home and uh, I was in a bad class and I wanted to be in a good class and they didn't want to change my class, so I just acted out. And they wanted my foster mom to sit with me for the rest of the school year, but she didn't want to, so I just ended up getting left back and stuff. Mm. Mm -hmm. That teacher, too. When I went back to the first grade, that was another teacher. I forgot her name, but she was, man, she was so good to me. Like, I was teacher's pet. Then she ended up catching cancer and shit like that, so these, I know she's not a These foster, These foster homes, they were filled with other kids? Well, these like um, foster parents so that were taking a lot of. At first, it was me and my three brothers. We all went into the same home together, but then my two little brothers got a dad, so their dad came and got them, mm -hmm. and that always hurt me too because he met my mom when I was a newborn. Mm -hmm. So how you gonna leave me in there? But now that I'm older, I understand I'm a girl, mm -hmm. and he was a man, mm -hmm. and me not being his biological daughter could have mm -hmm. gotten him into some shit. You know what I mean? Mm. You good? Yeah, what's wrong with him? Nah, it was like tissue on. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, 
so okay what is your relationship like with your brothers now um honestly we just we I, that's the sad part i've tried to bring us to like try to build a relationship with them so much but it's just not a close relationship at all like i'd be i'd be trying like i done bought them stuff i tried right. to when we was younger and stuff like i try to you know even now it's just we just grew up apart so what sort of their reasoning for this uh, I'm always the black sheep of the family. Yeah. I've always put the fa I always put my mom through the most shit. I've always mm. been out of all of them. I'm the girl. I'm the one that ended up on the block selling drugs. I'm the one right. that got stabbed up. I'm right. the one that started going to jail and mm. first, because then one of my little brothers went to jail. But yeah, that was late in his life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you have this common theme throughout your life of your beauty, mm -hmm. of how people perceive you and look at you. Um, what is the significance for all the tattoos and the markings? Um, so if it, it all started because for one, I just always see myself being tatted up when I was a little kid. I had like a vision of my whole arm being tatted and it's crazy because the same arm is the same mm -hmm. arm that I had a vision of. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I covered some of my stab wounds with it. It all started cause I got me and dude, we got each other's name tatted on our necks. Wow. Which I convinced them to get it on the neck. That's how crazy of a Puerto Rican I was at that time, young, crazy Puerto Rican. At um, 16, you convinced him to tap your name on his neck. Yeah, he didn't want to get it on his neck. He wanted to get it like on his arm or something. I'm like, no, on our necks, on our necks. We was really like Bonnie and Clyde and shit. That was my, you know, so. I always thought like anybody that um, would tattoo my name on like their neck or their face or anything, they'd probably kill me. Yeah, I, and I'm scared because I recently got somebody else's face tatted, and which was manip. I this one I did because I wanted to. This one was more he manipulated me to do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, I regretted immediately after I got it. Honestly, like which I'm actually in the process of getting most of my bad tattoos, like all of this laser removed and stuff. I got like the first session already. And stuff. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So. From 12 to about 16, you're hustling on the block. Are you getting your name up in the neighborhood? People are starting to recognize you? Yes, to... everybody, a lot of people knew me for that, but like being a female, uh, it was, I was taken advantage a lot of, you know what I mean? Like I used to get treated like a boy, like wedgies, and mm -hmm. used to take my packs, make me work up more for free. I had some other on the other block smack me, take my cell phone and shit. Like, yeah, I got treated so bad. I ain't gonna lie. My motherfuckers put one time some dude poured liquor, like a whole bottle of alcohol. I was abused. I'm just honestly was abused majority of the time. Poured liquor on you? Yeah, like a whole bottle of alcohol on me and shit. Like, like y'all arguing? Do you have a history? No, just... it's just abusing me, you know? Yeah. Trying to break me down. I don't know. Like. And, and for some reason, you felt like selling drugs was easier than just going to school? School wasn't it. I didn't have nobody. School, what was school going to get me? Like, school wasn't a place where I just get teased and stuff like that for what, like... Well, the block ain't that much better. Yeah, but I was already used to it and wow. I was already used to the money and stuff. Yeah. I Like, I moved around from school to school my whole life. I never stayed in one school for a long time, so at least a block was more like a home, like more of, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, get it. I always wanted to be feel I always looked at the older dudes and stuff like I wanted them to be like a brother figure or right, father right, figure right. to me. But they never looked at me like that. They always looked at me as a pretty young girl that can get fucked or whatever, you know what I mean? Like Yeah. I mm-hmm. I understand. Um now you're sixteen, you're with this guy. Would you describe the way you spoke to your ex boyfriend as abusive? Oh yeah, I was just very like, uh, very, he, cause he, he was the first dude that I actually had. Well, I had some dudes treat me uh, good when I was younger, like 14, like little Dominican boyfriends and shit that'll buy me shit and all of that. But he was really like the first boyfriend that I ever had that really was in love with me, that would do mm. anything for mm. me. Like he mm. he was like, and he bought me any, he spoiled me, he mm. really did. So I took advantage of that. And I used to treat him so bad. I just used to be like, oh, well, if you don't buy me this, I'm breaking up with you. If you don't do this, I'm breaking up with you. Or I just used to tell him stuff like that. Then it was a situation that happened. Just the type of person that I was, they used to call me Clyde and him Bonnie. They used to tease him and shit like, yo, she's harder than you. Like, (laughs) so every time we used to get into arguments, I used to be like, man, you acting like a bitch. Like, I'm tougher mm. than you. I'm mm. harder than you. I'm still a kid, too. I'm yeah, 16, 16. You know yeah. what I mean? So they're amping me up like, oh, yeah, I'm harder than him. Like, and I just used to be abusive, like, breaking his manhood down and shit. I kind of still do that to dudes, and I got sons now, too. I be having to catch myself and wow. shit. So I'm, I grew up so hard, like, yeah. to not really feel sorry or empathy or, like, don't nobody give a fuck. Ain't nobody coming to save you, like... When my son be emotional, I be like, man, man the fuck up. Like, this world ain't Disney. Like, you think life is hard now? Wait, just wait. Well, it's interesting because, like that saying, hurt people hurt people. That's And that's the place that you come from. You think that somebody would come along and treat you right, that you would be, like, what, receptive to it? No, it's like you're going to be exactly what everyone else was to you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And honestly, he never put a hand on me before. Nothing. He did show things like uh, if if I would be like, I need some space. And he would be like, okay, but he'll fucking follow me. Like, I literally would look back and he's like hiding behind a corner and shit. So it's a little psychotic shit like yeah. that. And then after he stabbed me, his mom admitted that like he, when he was younger, he actually went to therapy and was put into mental hospitals a lot because of his behavior. And he was killing animals and chickens and shit like that. That's so, the number one sign. Yeah. Wow. And it was just something that was turning me off about him. It's like he was cock-eyed, but it's like the time where we was going through what we was going through. It's like a demon really got into him because his eye was even more cocked. It was just something about him that was turning me off. I'm like, wait, his image ain't the same. Something is off. And I think because he was starting to go cuckoo yeah. in his head and shit. And I just, it was just turning me off. Like, and he used to like, didn't want to let me breathe. Like he used to want to have sex like 50 times a day. I get it. We're young. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But like just smothering me to the mm-hmm. point where I'm like, okay, hold on. I just need some space. Like, wait, mm-hmm. hold on. Like, mm-hmm. and he couldn't understand that. Mm. You know what I mean? Holy smokes. Okay, so this guy, you know, he's not with it. And as we spoke about in the beginning, the incident happens. Mm -hmm. Your cousin 
What was your relationship like with your cousin? Why was you living with your cousin? So my, Why was your cousin no, home? my cousin was living with me. So my cousin, I had met him for the first time when he was 12. He just came to my house. My mom was like, yeah, this is my brother's son. I think my cousin was immediately like in love with me, attracted to me when he first saw me. Like, it was like, honestly, when I first met my cousin, it was like the look on his eyes. He was probably like 16 and I was 12. He was older than both of us, actually. And uh, it was just like love at first sight for him. He was just like, Ooh. like, I just remembered he just was looking at me like that and shit. And then when we first met and shit, we, we were like play fighting and shit. And he did try to have intercourse with me, but I was actually a virgin still. And I was just like, no, hold on, you're my cousin. Like, no, this ain't right, like, no. And I stopped it and then it never happened again. Mm. He never tried to do it again. Mm. And it was just something that we don't talk about again. Mm. He was always my favorite cousin because growing up in foster homes and shit, I don't know no other family members mm. for real. So he was like the only family member that we shared the same last name. And I just loved him because I never met any of my family members. Like, I met them, but he was actually the one in my house and never had a relationship with any of my family members. You know what I mean? So you're living alone at 16? Uh, yes. After I ran up. So what happened was I came home from, from, from the juvie and my living conditions was just bad. I had no choice but to hit the block again and start selling drugs again. I really didn't have no choice. I swear, like, I had... Nothing. My mom started taking psych meds and shit. She was just sleeping all day. My mom, she was a clean fanatic before I went to jail. Like, you couldn't even drop a piece of paper. Mm. It's this cheap-ass lip gloss, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I hate cheap lip gloss. Where? <laughs> we gonna just get some water. All right. All right, um, Your mom was on the psych... Uh, she started doing psych meds, so... Before I got locked up, she was like this clean fanatic. You couldn't drop nothing on the floor. She'll have a heart attack. Then when I came home, it was a big difference. She was overweight. She was sleeping on. There was dirt piled up on the corner. Like, you know how when you don't sweep for a mm -hmm, long time? Mm -hmm. Like, it was just a it big difference, huh? It wasn't her. It was like a different person. Yeah, it was a different person. And I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? It was terrible. Because if conditions was bad before I went to jail and had to sell drugs, it was even worse when I came home. So you... you you hit the block again. You start. I getting... was scared to death. Yeah. I was. I'm like, damn. I just came home for this shit. Damn. I get the shift in the daytime shift, which is the hottest. That's when the sun is out. The everybody's outside and shit. Mm -hmm. I was scared to death. That's your phone. It keeps ringing. Yeah. What's up, baby? Hey, mom. Yeah. You know, you love to see U-Haul trailer thing right in, like, the walking, like, crossway, right? Okay, Mom. Okay. You got to wait until I get there. This ain't Disneyland. We're in fucking Brooklyn. We got a U-Haul connected. It's crowded as fuck. There's nowhere else to park. I'm not interested in making nobody's life, getting my trailer out the whatever corner to make their life more comfortable. Like... I'm fucking worried about myself right now. Like, just like everybody else is worried about themselves. So, so t if the cops ain't stop you, then you cool. Leave me the fuck alone. Stop letting grandma make you paranoid. Bye. What? I don't care about other people, mom. Why you keep telling me about people's comfortability? Like, I don't know these people. 
Mom, you're driving me crazy. You with your paranoia shit. Leave me the fuck alone. I'm doing an interview, Mom. How dare you call me and distract me? Okay. My mom got mental problems. She's always just paranoid. Like, she's always... Did, did, she, did she say we're, no? We're good. But you could, are you blocking somebody? No, I'm not blocking nobody. But I, so where I parked is, I got a trailer connected because right. I'm moving. So the trailer is like, I've turned the corner and the trailer's kind of on the corner, but not on the walkway. But it's just my mom, they're just, par she's just paranoid and shit, like. That's your real mother, the one we're talking about Yeah, now. she's she got mental problems and shit. Like, if she don't take her, like, I just can't live with her. I can't help her. Cause like, she's just like paranoid all the time. It rubs off on me. And like, she's always bringing her money problems. Like, her, my mom is like a vampire. She'll, that's why I'm moving far away from everybody. I need peace, like. My mom is just every five minutes, she can't stay still. She's just, oh, 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 oh my God, oh my God, I'm worried. Oh my God, the car, okay. oh my God, you're driving, oh my God. Like, we have to breathe, let's <laughs> yeah, breathe. I'm sorry. Breathe with me. Then you know my Can you breathe with me really yes. quickly? Yes. You ready? Yes. So then what gets on my nerves Doesn't that is, feel good? Yes, sorry. What gets on my nerves is that my son, I went to prison and stuff, so my oldest son didn't always live with me. Like, when I went to prison and before that, my mom was in a homeless shelter, but I was pregnant, homeless and shit, and when I gave birth, whatever, I needed her assistance. So my son grew up with her for a certain amount of time. He was with her from like the age of two to the age of seven and a half till I got him back. And the only reason he, he lasted with her that long is because when I first came home, my mom wasn't trying to give me my son back. She caused me so much pain. She used to tell him I was dead, all types of crazy shit. You know what I mean? So I don't fuck with my mom for real, but I try to be there for her because I know she's mentally, like right now she's in a homeless shelter for people with mental disabilities. She's not able to take care of herself, so they control her disability check. They force her to take her meds or they'll throw her out into the, sh you know? So why are you within that? Because I just knew that I was going to be in an interview and I didn't, my son, he's 15, but he's still a child. So I just want to, and this is my last time I'm moving to Florida after this. Mm -hmm. So the only time I'm coming back to New York is for an emergency mm -hmm. and I'll have to take a flight. Mm -hmm. So this is my last time seeing her and okay. shit like that. You know what I mean? For a while. Like, okay. Yeah. Right, so let's just try to make the last time you see mm -hmm. her. Uh, I'm sorry. A, a, a it's just I, I told her I'm going to an interview. Yeah. Please don't call me. Then she's making my son paranoid, it's okay. It's okay. which he already got some of her ways because yeah. like my son grew up Around with that it. shit and yeah. he thought that was normal. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he still got a lot of that shit that he learned from her. It's so annoying to me. Like, okay. I'm sorry. You're fine. <sighs> Good. <laughs> Breath. So, you say, I can't live here anymore. I got I to gotta get away from my mom. I, that's why I moved to PA. My no, mom, but this, I mean, we're talking about when you're 16. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what happened was my mom ended up getting evicted mm -hmm. and shit. And instead of going to the homeless shelter where, because already people on the block was like, science, your mom, and she was known as the crazy lady of the block. Oh, wow. We didn't notice at that time that she had mental. We thought she was only acting crazy so she can get a check and shit like that. I never really knew, like my mom used to say she's pregnant by Jesus and shit. So that's when I started questioning. But growing up with a mentally disabled person like that, that shit will fuck with your head too. It's like, yeah. damn, she's my mom. So I want to believe her that she's pregnant by Jesus, but wait, I'm wrong if I don't believe in my mom. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It used to make me feel so guilty because I didn't believe that she was pregnant by Jesus Christ and shit like mm -hmm. that. Like, 
And then I started realizing, I'm like, no, this bitch is crazy. Like, hold on. Like, so you leave. Uh-huh. Oh, so what happened was she leave. She gets evicted. I stayed on the block hustling. She went into a homeless shelter and I didn't want to go with her because it was embarrassing as fuck when I was 16. Hell yeah. You care about your image, you know, the pride and shit. And I was not trying to go in no shelter with her. Like, So where'd you go? So I stayed on the streets. So I was homeless from the age of 16 to the age of 24. So where did you and your cousin live at? Oh, so me me and my boyfriend at the time, we ended up doing some shit where... He convinced me to be unloyal to some to the people that I looked up to the most, mm-hmm. and the people that I love the most. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so we did some unloyal shit, and uh, it, basically we had to go on a run. So now we end up going to his side of the Bronx, which is Bronx River Projects and shit. And we ended up living in a trap house, which was his sister's boyfriend's brother's trap house in the projects. And we and we we got them to let us stay there, but we had to like sell drugs and shit yeah, out of work. there, like, and manage the trap spot basically like that. What was the unloyal thing that you did? Oh, I'm definitely not talking about that because that almost got me killed. And like, uh, it's it's already understood that I was young and they forgave me. And I don't ever want to even, I can't even believe that I was that unloyal and did some shit like that. But it was basically, yeah, I was going against the people who raised me. Let's just say that, like, you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. That's so intense. And then when you did whatever you did, the unloyal thing, then for you to be on the news now with 33 And that's what saved me. They're like, well... We know her. We raised her. So we know she's not capable of doing no shit like that. It was really that dude. So then when he stabbed me, it's like, oh, yeah, Comes he back. was the problem. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And God forbid, uh, one of the one of my uh, people that raised me, you know, he's, he's deceased now or whatever. And I'm in contact with the with the other person. And they, I was like, man. I'm so sorry. I still apologize to them to this day. He's like, man, I forgive you. Like, even my brother told me that to forgive you before he passed and shit. Like, mm-hmm. so wow. yeah, I don't ever want to touch. Cause like, if I would have never did no shit like that, I would have been straight in life. If I would have just, what happened was I honestly started fucking with the black people. Even though the nigga that stabbed me is Dominican, a hundred percent. So and you know that's like a that's like a crime in the Bronx now. Yeah, like I started myself after I got stabbed, my self esteem was so fucked up, and I was so traumatized from Hispanic man. Like it's like every Spanish guy I tried to talk to gave me some type of flashback of dude. Wow. And I just to this day I still have stayed away from Hispanic men because of that. Cause I just get, even recently I came to be to the Bronx to come see somebody and their eye was cocked. Wow, wow. It's just like Stop his lips was fat the same way. I just keep getting flashbacks when they come to like some Hispanic, like, and I just, for some reason dealing with black men, I don't get no flashbacks or nothing. Nothing of a black man reminds me of the dude that's at me. So, wow, wow. but yeah, once I started fucking with the black side, Oh, my Hispanic people, they disown me. That's it. Yeah. It's over. They don't play that. And I've been treated like shit my whole, the rest of my Ever life. Ever since. <laughs> That's one thing. They, 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 they'll, they'll, take, they'll take care of you. They'll ingratiate you in. They'll... You know, make sure they take care like, of their oh, own. Oh, she but... like the, the, the black? Oh, no. Why she turn oh, your back? <laughs> like... Okay, so your cousin now comes to stay in a trap house with you and 
your boyfriend at the time. Uh-huh. Y'all are hustling out so the my, crib. So my cousin was homeless. His mom kicked him out for whatever. He wasn't following the rules or whatever. So that's how he originally started coming to my house. Right. He was like looking for family members wow. to, I guess, wow. be able to stay or whatever. So that's why he ended up coming to my house. And then when I met my, my, uh, my boyfriend and I moved in with him, I wasn't living with my mom no more because I ended up moving in with him. Right, right, right. And uh, yeah, uh, so... He, I'm like, man, tell him to come stay with us. We get money over here. You can come make Christ. a few dollars. Jesus you know what I mean? Christ. My mom called me like, oh, he's eating up all the food. I don't get no more food stamps like that because y'all don't live here no more. And yeah. I'm like, just tell him to come over here and get some money. You wow. know what I mean? And how long between him coming over there did he get killed? That's the sad part. So he only came for like a couple days and my boyfriend was treating him like shit because I had told him the story of when he tried to have intercourse with me and stuff like that and uh I guess that just always sat wrong he Mm -hmm. couldn't understand like how Mm -hmm. you fucking with this nigga he tried to have sex with you Mm -hmm. and stuff but you know we Puerto Ricans and some Puerto Ricans they do deal with their cousins and shit like that I'm not but I'm just saying I don't know if my boyfriend thought that I did have something Mm -hmm. going on with my cousin Mm -hmm. but like I said after that one time it never happened again we never we strictly was cousins nothing crazy like that you know what I mean but yeah so he was treating my cousin really bad and shit and then the night that it happened I basically went to my cousin and I, I was, it was time to go to bed. I was like, here, you can have the room over here or whatever. But I just want to tell you, I really love you. And I'm sorry that you, that my boyfriend's being mean to you, but blood is thicker than water. And sure. just know that I yeah. love you. You're my cousin. Like That was the last conversation. That was the last conversation. I think he overheard it. My boyfriend overheard it. And that shit just drove him crazy. Like, what you mean blood is thicker than water? So like, it was a couple of days. It was a couple days, then he left, and then I guess he came back the third night. He didn't have nowhere to go. He came back knocking on the door like 2 o'clock in the morning. We like, who this? And it was him, and that was the night where everything happened and shit like that. You still wear him on your chest, I see. I just got this. Okay. So it was, for the past few years, it's been very hard for me to uh, deal with my cousin being dead because of me. And so I've blocked it out for for many, many years. I think it's 19 years, 17, 18, 19 years now since it happened. And I'm just now able to accept it. So I've always blocked blocked it off. Anytime my mom bring him name, I get mad. Don't talk about him. I don't want to see pictures of him. I don't. It's his birthday. I don't care. Don't talk to me about his birthday. Like, cause it always is so depressing just knowing, you know. But now I embrace it. Now I was able to like look at his picture, and I'm like, mom, that's it. I can't keep living like he didn't exist. And you know, like he died because of me. It is what it is. And I went and got this. I'm like, now I have to see his face every, now I could see his face and this just makes me feel like he's with me and stuff. And yeah, so. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Wow. You know, I just, I wanted to just take a minute for for him, you know, you just, because it's heavy. So sad. Like he was such a humble guy. Like he didn't deserve to get, he didn't do nothing to that man. Like he wasn't aggressive. He was humble. He was quiet. How did the police 
get to you. If you're on the floor bleeding out, mm -hmm. do you actually see your cousin dead? No. So after he stabbed me and stuff like that, um, I guess the the when the the the, the uh, altercation he had with my cousin, I guess it came out the room, and somewhere somehow my cousin's dead body was somewhere in the kitchen. So um, after he stabbed me and shit, and my cousin's dead. He's like, okay, I'm going to take you to the living room so I can clean up here and so you can die quicker. Because he, you could tell that the blood was coming out of my lung. And he was in the Army Preserve and all, I mean, the Army, whatever, I don't know. But he kind of knew that. Yeah. So he's like, well, if I lay you on your black back, that's where all the blood is leaking from. You'll die quicker. Most of the stab wounds was on my he back. He said that to you? Yes. So on his way to take me to the living room, he stopped. He was carrying me and he stopped and he was like, Look at your cousin's dead body right here. Look, look, look. And I just couldn't see something like that. So I shut my eyes like this. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not seeing that. Then he stayed there trying to force me to look at him. But then when he realized I wasn't going to open my eyes, he just kept it moving and laid me in the living room. And mind you, there was no light in the living room. So when you're dying, it just feels like you're so tired and you just want to go to sleep. It was hard to stay awake in a dark-ass living room with no light. And my intuition was just like, don't go to sleep. If you go to sleep, you're gonna die. Like, my whole life flashed before my eyes. I said my prayers and everything. I'm like, please don't let my mom go crazy over this. And I'm just like, damn, I'm only 16. I'm really about to die. This is crazy. Like, God, please forgive me for all my sins. Like, everything. Like, and then a voice was just like, don't go to sleep. Don't close your eyes. Don't close your eyes. I think it was like a natural reflex because when I basically finally let go, I didn't see a lie or Jesus or none of that. People say they have the, these experiences when they're close to death. I didn't see any of that. Like maybe because I was a lost soul still at that time. You know what I mean? You said that um, that sleep that uh -huh. was coming over you, it, was, it felt like the greatest feeling you've ever oh, had. Oh, yeah. Like, better than a, a freaking orgasm, everything. It felt so good to just go to sleep. Like, oh, my God. Have you ever been a little kid and you're so tired and your mm. eyes just start shutting by mm. itself? And yeah. it's so good. Like, yeah, like, yeah. like that. And then to, but then to have to reject the sleep to stay awake. Then you fill in every stab wound, realizing what just happened. And your cousin, even though he told me he was dead, I still didn't believe I, I just hoped that they, that he wasn't dead when I got to the hospital like I hoped that he wasn't dead you know what I mean so <laughs> it was just so much easier to go to sleep for real so like when you you're, you're on the floor you're, you're fighting your sleep mm -hmm. what happens that how does the how does the police get to you okay so then now I'm used a, a light bulb clicks in my head and the light bulb is like, bitch, you better start saying something to this man before you just die. Like, so now I'm like, baby, I love you. Please don't let me die, please. Because he already told me, I'm going to lay you on your back so you can die quicker. You know what I mean? So I'm like, please, you really going to let me die? Like, I promise if you don't let me die, I'm not going to snitch on you. I promise I'm going to tell them that somebody ran up in here. But mind you, my lung is fucked. So I'm talking like, I promise that... I'm going like really struggling to even speak and I'm like, I, uh, you know, I love you. You think I would really snitch on you and stuff? Meanwhile, my mouth is saying that, but inside I'm like, this motherfucker, I fucking hate this nigga. Like, I can't believe him. Like, 
But at the time, I'm trying to like be sweet. So they're not finally convinced. And he's like, all right, I'm going to get the neighbor. So there was this neighbor that used to, uh, he was like the, 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 the person who used to help manage the trap house. And um, he finally, I finally convinced, he, I finally convinced him to convince him to come, to come downstairs. Immediately when he walked in the door, he was just like, turned like white like a ghost. His eyes were like, he's just looking at me. I'm like, call the cops, Herman, call the cops, please call the cops, I'm about to die. He's like, but I can't, there's so much drugs in here. I'm like, what's more important, the drugs or my life? He looked at me, he was like, you right. And then he went and called the ambulance and shit like that. And they can't quit. Hell no, we in the project. I just don't understand how you survived 33 stab wounds and you're not- Just not going to sleep. You just gotta stay awake when you die. Once you go to sleep, it's over. You gotta try to stay as awake as much as possible, like, yeah. no matter what. Do you know how much time elapsed or you don't know? How many times what? How much time went by? Do you know how much time went I by? I don't know how much time, but it felt like forever. It felt like forever. It felt like forever. So, so the ambulance gets there, they put you in the car, and you you make it to the hospital. No, so when I get when the ambulance gets there, he actually gets in the ambulance with me. Oh my god. To see if I made it or not, I guess. But he was already telling them that he came he, his plan, he told me afterwards that he was gonna move to DR and everything. He was really thinking he was gonna get away with it. And he would have if he would have never wrote an apology letter to me when he was uh, locked up. So, but long story short, um, he told them that they came in and uh, that somebody tried to rob us and he went to the store when he got back, we was just like that and shit. But at this point, I was just waiting to get in the ambulance so I can finally go to sleep because I couldn't take it. I, it was hard to stay awake. So then finally, they was like, who did this to you? And I said his name. I said Samuel Encarnacion. And then I was like, that's it, I'm letting go. And I just went to sleep, that's it. It's a real movie. It sounds mm -hmm. like a fucking movie. Yeah. Okay. You wake up. You realize it's alive. I wake up five days later. What's missing? My... Uh, it was hard. I, I kept waking... They found your pinky. They found my pinky. They put my pinky back on. I guess when they found my pinky, they put it in ice. They put my pinky back on. Um, uh, they told me my cousin was dead. I can't handle that. I just went right back to sleep. I drugged myself with the morphine and shit. Like, honestly, I just kept, I was in a coma for five days, so I just couldn't. Immediately, the cops were interrogating me, trying to get a story what happened and shit, but I was so weak. Like, I couldn't even talk. I couldn't even remember what. It literally took me two years to remember what actually really happened that night. That story that I gave the cops that in a hospital, there was just forcing me to give them a story. So I just told them anything, honestly. But the real story, I literally, it took me two years to remember. It's like the trauma was a natural reflex. You know what I mean? Um, okay. So you, you tell the police, they lock him up. Was he in he jail got for locked something? Up immediately. Okay. Because he was the only person at the scene of the crime. Mm -hmm. So they they holding him in the precinct. They trying to get a story, and I guess he wrote me an apology letter, and then tried to hang himself. What? So then they caught him before he hung himself. Then the apology letter was held as a confession letter. How long did they keep him in jail? 
because they they said automatically we're gonna lock you up because yeah, we don't know what's home. going. Yeah, he never ever came since home. That day, he stayed you showed them the apology letter. No, he wrote the apology letter when he was in the precinct to me. Gotcha. And they took it as his confession letter. Wow. Which, as smart as you are, because like he was smart. You know what I mean? As smart as you yeah. are, why would you write an apology letter in the precinct? Well, his like, guilt. His guilt. You know, he oh, realized. <laughs> Sorry. He, he he realized that he just, you know, harmed or potentially killed the love of his life. But let's be real, this guy was madly in love with you. He was, you yeah. know, and in, in many ways he was obsessed with you. So I could understand why his guilt was eating at him as well. You know, it was mm -hmm. like, how did I do this to somebody that, you know, I love? You go see him in jail. Yeah, I went to go see him a few times. He even was in a mental hospital. Too, when it first happened, he was trying to claim insanity and stuff like that, and I went to go see him. Mm -hmm. How could you bring yourself to go see someone? In the beginning, just... when it first happened, I was confused because he was the love of my life too. You know what I mean? And I was just confused. I didn't really fully grasp. Like I know he killed my cousin, but I'm like, he didn't mean to do that. He snapped. You know what I mean? And I was just still in love with him. I was still in contact with him and everything. Like, he's like, yeah, you riding with me through this? I'm like, yeah, I'm riding with you, baby. I love you. Like, and we was like, and I my love mom, you. He, you just killed my I, cousin. I didn't, I didn't see it like that at that time. You know what I mean? At first, I always grew yeah. up seeing women getting beat yeah, by their men. It was by normalized. Men. So it was like, I thought that if a man did that to you, he really loved you. Wow. You know what I mean? Wow. So to me, the fact that he tried to kill me was like, wow. He really loves me. Like, wow. that's crazy. I never had somebody really love me like this. Right. So my mom and everybody used to attack me. Like, how can you talk to him? After I'm like, leave me the fuck alone. Y'all lost one person. I lost two people. Damn near three people because I lost myself after that shit too. Mm. So you feel me? Like, y'all over here just worried about that one person. I lost two people. Like, you feel me? Three. Like, What was his conversations with you like in prison? When he was in prison, what was his um, In the beginning, it was like, you riding? for me I'm like hell yeah baby I love you da, 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 and shit but then uh it just I used to try to get answers from him like why did you do this and you know like trying for him to say an apology to my cousin and I just started realizing like wait he still hasn't said sorry to me about my cousin I'm asking him why did he do it especially why did he kill my cousin he's not giving me an answer his only concern was getting out of jail. That's his concern. Like, mm. So then now I'm starting to feel betrayed a little bit. I'm like, hold on, how could you only think about coming out of jail? Like, I'm scarred for life. I got 33 stab wounds, one and a half a lung, no spleen, a pinky that can't move, and the mental scarness from it all. And my cousin is gone forever. Like, my cousin can't come back. You worried about getting out of jail? That's all you could think about? Mm. Like, mm. and that's what started I started realizing now, I'm like, hold up, he killed my cousin, this is, yeah, I don't fuck with him, like, mm. what? Yeah. Nigga, you the enemy, like, Click. it started clicking after, you know what I mean? And then what happened was, he, he actually tried to get me to uh, say that he killed my cousin in self-defense. Mm. And shit like that was like, at first I was with it, but then I was like, Hold up, like, what about my cousin's justice now? Like, you know what I mean? Like, hold on now. Like, yeah, nah, you know what? Yeah, nah. 
I ain't fucking with you no more. You grimy. Like you how many just, how many years did he get? He was gonna get twenty five to life. But then he decided to take it to trial that time when he was trying to get me to say that my cousin did it in self-defense. But I just couldn't do it. I couldn't lie and shit. I couldn't go turn against my cousin and talk about he got killed for something. So I didn't show up to court. So when I didn't show up to court, the judge slayed him and ended up giving him 40 years to life. So he lost trial and ended up getting the double amount of time plus life. And at first, you were going to go and testify for him. I was. At first, they was trying to, I was working with the DAs. They was going to put me in a witness protection program. They was going to get me surgery for my scars. They was going to change my name, move my mom and shit, my family to Cali. They give me a whole new identity and everything if I would have cooperated. But I just couldn't. I'm like, damn, I can't yeah. be a snitch. Like, I can't be a snitch, like, no you matter still what. still got that like, mentality. Yeah, you know what I mean? And it, and I wanted my scars. Like I got offered free plastics. I could have got free plastic surgery, but I wanted my scars. I wanted to be reminded of what happened to me, so I can yeah. be more careful now. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Okay. Mhm. Wow. Um. What did he say to you? The first conversation you had after they gave him that that time. Like I said, it was just like, you riding for me, baby. No, after oh. you got the 40 years. Oh, after... Um, did y'all speak again? Yeah, I stayed in touch with him on and off. And what did stuff. he say to you after you, and you got it? He, he's just like, damn, you ain't go to court. Like, you ain't help me. Like, you feel me? Like, yeah. talking to me like that. And I'm like, yeah, I couldn't do it. Like, mm -hmm. you feel me? Like... And, and, and y'all maintained a relationship? Or? I, I tried maintaining a relationship with him, but his lack of sympathy and mm -hmm. empathy for him and remorse just was like pushing me away from him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But every time I used to go visit him, like in jail and stuff, I used to look at his hands. His hands used to look so scary to me and they were so cold. It's like those are the hands that he committed murder with and mm -hmm. did that to me with. It's just like, yeah, it was really scary. But I knew I was protected in jail, mm -hmm. but... It was just really like having, you know, just mixed emotions because I did love him too. And he never really, it was hard for me to see him as the bad person because he never put his hands on me. He was my boyfriend. He, he spoiled me. He was so good to me. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So even though people's calling him a monster, I'm like, no, he's not a monster. Like, y'all don't know. I verbally abused him too and had contributed to that shit happening to me regardless. Like... So to this day, now I can admit it that, you know, I contributed to that. Like you push a person, you, everybody got their limits, you know, you yeah, push a sure. person strong enough, they'll snap, like, Actually. you know, okay. so. Wow. And that, and, and, and that accountability to, to just also look at your hand in it too, is like that, 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 that takes a lot. Um, but many will tell you that you, you can't take responsibility for someone stabbing you 33 times you know there's nothing that I could say to you that should make you want to I understand that yeah. too and what really awoken me was having a son that's a teenager mm. it's like almost started, the same age right I was watching right my son he's just living a way totally different life than mm. I was when I was his age I was already on the block you know mm. but uh one day I was watching YouTube and I seen this uh like video on abusive parents ver verbally abusive and i'm like oh shit i started crying i'm like i'm a fucking abusive parent wow. i'm verbally abusing my son and shit and 
And that's what awoken me to the fact that, hold up, you did verbally abuse this Hell dude yeah. too, and that's yeah. why you got stabbed. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I got a problem. Wow. I verbally abuse people. I mm. demasculate men or make them feel demasculated. Even my most recent uh, child's father, that's what I did to him. Mm. Why our relationship is never really got nowhere good. You know mm. what I mean? And uh, yeah. It's like you have so two sides to you. Because yeah, I don't I, see that. I don't see that person. It's not know? really two. It's just me being having to fend for myself on my own my whole life since I was a young and it's like I just don't understand when a man is being weak. Mm. Like you're a fucking man. I'm yeah. a woman. Like how am I harder than you? Mm-hmm. How am I tougher than you? And sometimes with my son, it's kind of hard for me to. I just I'm so of a hardcore mom like I don't have no sympathy for shit sometimes mm-hmm. like this world ain't Disney and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you a man like yeah, yeah. I'm a woman yeah. how can I be harder than you like well you know too because that was part of the issue with him with them calling you Clyde and them calling him Bonnie and that was sort of the issue too right the same sort of issue that you have with sort of like your son, your son is like, how are you so soft? And and it's the truth is, this is the the problem with like men in society also, right? Because men, we're supposed to be so strong. We're supposed to do this. We're supposed to do that. But we can't be in tune with our emotions. We're not allowed to be emotional. We're not allowed to be like, you know what? I I can't I can't take it today. And I want to cry. I want to break down. I can't. I'm not feeling it. You know, we deserve that right as men to be in those places maybe god gave me a son so that i could learn this lesson about right. how to be empathetic and and, and show grace and know? i am learning it and i am even with the men now like i just feel like today's men are too feminized for me i'm not attracted to them at all like these yeah. new generation dudes i'm cool i mean you, you grew up on a block you yeah. know these dudes you know <laughs> they, they were, you didn't have to really grow up hustling and you right know, the street exactly life and, yeah i i don't I can't understand that. I'm sorry. It's not attractive to me at all. I'm sorry. Talk about all the things you had to do for money. Um. So, yeah. So, you know, so what happened was um, at 16, I ended up staying on the block when my mom got evicted and I was selling drugs in the beginning. But I also lost my head a little bit after just getting stabbed. I literally was ended up homeless right after getting stabbed. So I got staples still in me. My cast is still on from my finger getting chopped off and I'm homeless now, you know what I mean? So uh, I kind of started feeling like 50 Cent too, like I have nine lives. So after I got stabbed, I'm like, man, fuck that. I don't want to work for nobody no more. I want to work for myself now. I just got stabbed 33 times. I'm not scared of nothing, like I don't care. Da, 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 da. And I started violating. I started taking packs from everybody, not giving them their money back. I started just wilding out, like, sense of loyalty out the window. Now I don't have no sense of loyalty, no nothing. Like, moving you crazy. feel moving crazy to the point where nobody trusted me no more to give me work and shit. They're like, yeah, she's going to get out. Like, so I couldn't get packs no more and shit. So now... People ain't really fucking with me like that in the hood. I got, I made a, gave myself a bad name and shit. Even though a lot of people knew what I just went through, so they knew like, yeah, she's, she yeah, she's off right now and shit. Like, um, but uh, yeah. So then, 
I remember this Mexican guy and shit, and he introduced me to like being able to like have sex for money. So he just started off like paying me a little hundred dollars like for sex and shit like that. And it started like that. And I was just pretty much at, at the time after what happened was I got scared off my block because one of the dudes ended up pulling out a gun and put a gun to my head and was like, bitch, you either working for me because they were trying to be nice. They're like, man, we'll give you $80 a pack. Just please. We love you. Like you wildin'. Like, just please. You not about to sell your own work out here and shit. And they try to be nice. And then I still wasn't listening. So one of the friends, somebody that I didn't even know like that was the scary part. Cause I know my homie wouldn't have shot me, but the fact that a stranger kind of put the gun to my head was like, Oh shit he would probably let loose. And that shit really scared the shit out of me because I'm like, damn, I just got stabbed 33 times. Now this nigga put a gun to my head and I'm like- Maybe I'm not 50 cents. Yeah, I'm like, man, fuck this shit. And another thing that happened was uh, one day I was in the hood, it was late as fuck, and um, some dude is like, so mind you, I wasn't on the block. I didn't live on the block no more at this time. I just used to always come and visit here and there. So, you know, the 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 bronze, everybody's outside 24-7. It's always something to do. So it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. Somebody's like, psst, psst. I'm like, oh, what's up? Who that? Who that? As I'm walking closer, the guy, he's a black, very black person. I don't know who it was to this day, but he had a bandana tied around his face. And he was standing in the middle of the block and he was beating his meat. And as I'm walking closer, I'm, I'm walking and I'm like, yo, who that? Who you're? Yo, who that? Then as I get closer, I start, and he's like, I'm like, oh shit, I ran. That shit scared the fuck. I was literally about to get raped. Then the fact that he had the bandana tied over his face and shit, I ran to Weeks Avenue. I'm like, yo, I'm scared. I, the streets ain't for me no more. Fuck this shit. I don't want to be out here no more. And I just, at one, I finally left the hood alone. Like, it's no matter where I went or how many times I left, I always used to at least go visit. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And you, got, you got the fuck out of there. Yeah, I finally realized. So I started visiting other boroughs and yeah. shit like that. So then finally, uh, I just was surviving. It's like, just... I don't know where I used to sleep at until I, I was like 18. Now I'm old enough to be able to go into a single women's homeless shelter. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I finally decided to, I couldn't take it no more. Life was getting hard, trying to figure out where to sleep. Cause before when I used to sell drugs, I used to be up for like three days. I used to sleep on cars and shit, trying to get rid of work. Who cared about a place to sleep? But then when winter time come and you need, somewhere to sleep, trust me. I, I know one of the dudes that, uh, one of the older dudes that actually taught me how to bag up and sell drugs and shit, he actually took me in as his girlfriend at the time for a little bit, but then it didn't work out. So then when he kicked me out, I'm like, damn. I tried to go to the homeless shelter. That's when I finally met a pimp, like a real full-blown pimp for the first time. And I was so ashamed. 18 years old, I'm rapping. Uh -huh. You know, I got an image to uphold. Like, 
all the years that I was always homeless, I was afraid to admit that to anyone. So I used to do things like have sex with somebody just to be able to sleep in their house or shower. And they just thinking I'm a thotty, but really I'm just trying to sleep here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, so that's basically how I survived for a lot of years, just like having sex with guys just to be able to sleep there and shit like that. Or just walking until somebody tried to holler at me and I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, you got your own crib? All right, come on, let's go. I'll spend a night with you or shit like that. And uh, I used to walk for, I could walk from Manhattan to the Bronx, to the Bronx, to Manhattan, to Brooklyn. I used to walk all over because I didn't have nowhere to go. So instead of sleeping, I just used to walk. You know what I mean? Like 18 years old? 16 to 18. 16 to the age of 24, actually. I mean... And you was just living like this? On the streets, just walking without sleeping. Is this how you got pregnant? No. So let me tell you, okay, so so then with the pimp, so then finally, I just couldn't live like that no more. And I'm like, okay, maybe fuck my pride, fuck everything, I'm going to go into a homeless shelter and shit. And when I went to try to get my bed, I was there, but I didn't really want to be there. So they had me waiting outside until I got my bed, and I was the baddest chick in that bitch, fucking with that shelter over there in the Bronx, 167 and Franklin Avenue. You got mental patients, fiends, all types of shit. I'm like, oh, do I gotta be here? Like, I don't wanna be here. So then some dude pulled up, and it seemed like he was just trying to holler at me, and I'm a bad little shorty, so I'm used to that, so I didn't know he was a pimp, though, so I'm like, ooh, I was gassed up. He had a nice car, everything. I'm like, ooh, he trying to holler, okay. But then he he was like, so, uh, so what's up? Like, how would you feel about making a thousand dollars a day? Mm. I'm like, doing what? He's like, oh, just off the internet mm. and stuff like that. And I'm like, um, I'm like, well, do you got some place where I can live at and mm-hmm. shit like that? And he was like, um, yeah, like you'll be good. Matter of fact, let's go shopping now. And mm. he was really buying me clothes that I couldn't hit the strip with and mm. shit like that. So I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, oh, I'm, man, we out. I'm going with you. Like, mm-hmm. you feel me? Then come to find out, he was a full blown pimp, had chicks living in a whole house. He used to make us go on the strip out here in Brooklyn somewhere too, like, mm-hmm. really walk the strip and shit. But I wasn't, I was always a tomboy. So I was never good at walking the hills and shit. Guys used to be like, yo, what you doing? And I'm like, <laughs> and shit, like, she don't belong out here, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But I only did it, like, maybe walk the strip maybe, like, three or four times. I never felt comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. And so he started, he, he was actually selling the girls on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. So he immediately gave me a nickname, mm-hmm. um, which was Bunny, Bonita, for short for Bonita mm-hmm. and shit. And uh, that was my nickname that he advertised on the Craigslist and stuff. So then I used to wonder, shit, I'm like, how the fuck? So then, no, immediately, I didn't know a part of the deal was that I had to give him all my money. Mm. So he used to make me go out here, get these dates, and then immediately give him my money. Like, nigga, I come from selling drugs and shit. I ain't never had to give nobody all my money. Like, you tripping. So I used to have talks with him. I'm like, look, I can't do it. You, We got to come up to an agreement where I'm keeping some of this money. Like, ain't no way in hell you keeping all you my making money. A, you making like, a lot of money for him? Um, I only lasted with him for maybe a month or two because mm-hmm. my ego couldn't let me give him all my money. He's you feel me? So we used to always bump heads and shit. His name was Prince and shit. I don't give a fuck. I don't 
care about that nigga if I'm saying his name or not. Like the fuck. But uh, how does this relate to you getting pregnant? Oh wait, nothing. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you in a second. Oh okay. But then, uh, so then what happened was with that was um, I, I, we already had the conversation. He's like, all right, I'm gonna give you some of your money. Mm-hmm. But then I kept going on dates, and he still wasn't giving me my money. Mm-hmm. So then one time he took me on a date. It was with a nigga in a wheelchair, traumatizing as fuck. I'm like, oh, hell no. So I got in the car, and he's like, where's the money? I had the money stashed in my ass crack, like how I used to stash packs and shit like mm-hmm. that when I used to sell drugs. And he, I'm like, what money? This is my money. He's like, what? Bitch, where's my money? da 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 Man, we was in Harlem somewhere. He stripped me butt-ass naked in the street, literally, all my clothes off in the public in Harlem somewhere, like 125th around there, trying to look for this money and shit, and I had the phone stashed in my ass. I don't know how I did it. You put a phone in your ass? No, not inside of my ass. The money, nor the... It was just... Like in my between my butt cheeks and I'm oh, just clenching okay, my butt okay, 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 shit. Okay, okay. Or I don't. Oh no, he threw my phone and I went and got it and it was still working. Okay. But the money was in between my butt cheeks and stuff and he couldn't find it and shit. And then after he stripped me butt naked and couldn't find it, he, he threw my phone. He's like, "Bitch, fuck you!" And he just left me there. Mm. You know how embarrassing that was for my image. I'm a rapper, like mm. just growing up in the hood. Like I'm, I'm supposed to be cool, not going through this shit. But I had to suck it up and put my clothes back on so what happened was before that though I had my period and I couldn't work because so he left me in the house by myself so I always noticed that he would be on a computer and the pictures that he took that he's getting the money off of the computer so that's how I realized that he was getting me on Craigslist he uh, left me in the house by myself and I started pressing the back button on everything. And I seen the ads. I seen all the girls' ads. I seen the website. I'm like, oh, I could do this shit myself. My damn self. That's when I did the money thing. That's when I did the money thing. And uh, he just left me. And I'm like, man, fuck this. I'm doing this shit by myself. So I used to go to the library. I took some pictures of myself. Mm-hmm. Started going to the library, posting my ads and shit. And I literally started prostituting myself now after that. How much money would you say you were making? Um, I was, so with him, we used to get like, at that time, like 200 or more for a date. Yeah. So I was making, I ain't gonna lie. That was like the most money that I ever seen at that time. time Not yeah. no more now. Yeah. After having my companies and shit, I've seen real money and shit. But with him at that time, that was I was making boot, I was making a lot of money. So yeah. What was sort of your worst experience? Um, oh, I've been through hell. I fucking like I said, I had sex with a guy in a wheelchair, and it was a guy. It was like having to have sex with like white this one, one like white trash type of guy, and he was like basically raping me. Like he was so aggressive. Like mm-hmm. I thought he was gonna kill me that night. Like choking me and shit. Like. Mm-hmm. It felt like I was just getting raped and shit. So, and sometimes not having a pimp, I could understand why you needed a pimp being in that line of work. Because you'll get robbed for your money and Mm -hmm. shit. There was times I'll go do a date and shit, and I'll go to the bathroom and go take a shower real quick. The guy's gone, then took all my money and shit. Like, you know what I mean? So, now this might be an odd question, but what was sort of your, your best experience prostituting? Um, so I had this one sugar daddy dude, Dominican, that didn't have nothing to do with me meeting him on Craigslist or none of that. He was actually from around the neighborhood. Oh, no. Yeah, I met this. There was this one older dude from Harlem. He actually uh, worked in the welfare building and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's how I met him and shit. And he actually started paying me 
So like have sex with him. Then he introduced me to the Spanish older sugar daddy dude. And they, he used to treat me real good. Like mm. I always felt like I used to have a grudge and argue with him because I always felt like he could do a lot more for me. And instead of continue to just give me crumbs and mm. have me keep me coming back for crumbs, mm -hmm. you could put me up in a whole entire crib and mm -hmm. I ain't got to even do this shit no more. Mm -hmm. But of course you want me to keep mm -hmm. doing this shit. You know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, but I had a couple guys treat me good. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, if there was something you could tell your younger self, mm -hmm. um, I guess, I don't know, let's go back to, <laughs> I mean, it's, it starts so early for you, but if we could say your teenage years, if there's something you could tell your 13 year old, 14 year old self, what would it be? Man, I would say like, uh, huh. I can't really say it cause I don't even know. I would just say like loyalty is everything for real. So I feel like if I would have just stayed with the original people from my block and not jump ship, my life would have been totally different. I would have probably ended up getting wifed up by one of the dudes mm. and being taken care of and shit mm. like that. Or I would have never got stabbed. Mm. I mean, I didn't get stopped for, for unloyalty, mm -hmm. but it was still kind of unloyal you because he's taking care and being good to you and you over here calling him a little bitch and shit. Yeah. Like, you wow, know what I mean? Wow. So What would she say back to you? Uh, <laughs> uh, she'll probably be like, you right. Wow. You know, like, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, your biggest regret? My biggest regret in life was the situation that happened with me getting stabbed because I feel like that was my person there. We would have ended up having a family. Like, oh, yeah, how I met my baby dad was uh, I was basically homeless and, uh, and prostitute and shit. And he was actually a guy that I just met walking down the block and he had his own crib and shit. So I'm like, yeah, he was from Philly. He wasn't. He was an out of towner. Then he had a little four-year-old cute son that he had custody of, and I absolutely fell in love with the little boy. So I was just like really using him for a place to stay and shit. But then when he got a wind of what I was doing for a living, he's like, "Oh yeah, that baby ain't mine." But really, I was living with him for like three months when I got pregnant. Mm. And one thing that the pimp dude showed me was to always use condoms no mm. matter what. Mm. So that was my first time ever getting pregnant with. With my first son mm. i never got pregnant even with the dude that stabbed me mm. i'm surprised i didn't get pregnant from him because that was my boyfriend boyfriend and we used to have unprotected sex you know mm. what i mean so yeah so yeah my the pimp dude would get mad like if you didn't use condoms and so, shit you so know he never mean? claimed the kid he said the kid's not mine he yeah just... but then we I and mean, he knew it was his he was just really older i was only 19 and he was 33. oh wow so he was basically taking advantage of me because i was a younger girl and needed some place to live and shit it's crazy like that. you think you're taking advantage of him and you know right it's just a... you know what i mean and with that baby father, he, he ne I never been touched like that before. Like the way he ha had sex with me was just like, he was really a grown man. Wow. And I was really like this little girl, like, you know what I mean? My, my only thing is, how were you able to still run the streets at 19 with a kid? Where's your kid at all this time? Um, so it was hard, it was hard. I was in and out of the shelter system. Um, and then eventually um, my mom ended up she was in the shelter system too, but then she ended up meeting this Colombian guy that she got married to for his papers, mm -hmm. but she ended up moving in with him. Mm -hmm. So now she had a place where I can 
she used to come and help me with my son, like when I used to get kicked out by my baby father or ended up in the streets and, or I didn't want to, well, I just got tired of being in the shelter system with him. And I'm like, mom, you know what? Like, can we just come live with you? Can you ask your husband? Can we come stay with you? Like wow. I got a whole baby. Wow. And then she did. And then mm -hmm. it turned into that. So then now she's not trying to give me my son back and all of this and that. She started getting too attached, you know, but yeah. Is there anything you want to leave the people with? Besides, you need your nail fixed. <laughs> um, you know, like, never judge a book by its cover. Like, um, I've been through a lot, and I know a lot of people, uh, well, recently a lot of people really know me for being an entrepreneur, hustler, go-getter type chick, but, you know, I've always been known for that, honestly. Uh, just, you know, try not to judge people because you never know what somebody really went through, you know, and even... When you you could be dealing with somebody now who has a similar story as me, and try to be understanding of the of what people been through. And we all out here just trying to survive. We all doing the best that we can. We all doing what we know. If we knew better, we would do better. You know what I mean? We are a lot of us are products of our environment and stuff like that. And if you you dealing with somebody that has a similar story as me, you know. Try to accept the person for who they are too, you know what I mean? Cause like, you would want somebody to accept you for you who you are too, you know? Uh, do you want to talk about your business, uh, businesses that you have, or uh, not right now? Not really, but okay. I've had many uh, companies and stuff yeah. right now that I'm not really, could say we're successful, so mm. I'm taking a break from entrepreneurship mm. for now until okay. the next investment that I do it right this time, like... Shelly oh, from the BX, yeah. <laughs> from, the, from the Bronx. We got new music coming. We're... Um, When I get, when I, uh, I'm gonna start working on music again. I kind of been really busy and haven't mm -hmm. had time for music, but yes, I plan on releasing new music. And I also, in my current music, I wanted to tell the people there's like, I'm promoting like sex mm -hmm. and devilish shit. I don't want to do that no more. Mm -hmm. I want to start trying to, put a positive message in this mm -hmm. type of music that I'm coming out with. Of course, once again, when I make my music, I'm doing the best that I can. Mm -hmm. So whatever comes out, comes out. But you know, yeah, like, I don't want to like promote sex and stuff like that no more. Cause just going through all my trauma and stuff, yeah. I still do without knowing that I'm doing it. Right. And like, yeah. What's like a good month for OnlyFans? Um, like I said, I had my one good run and then I just stopped doing it because my son. But like, what was the best one? Oh, I made like maybe five, six thousand dollars in like a month oh, off wow. of it. But that was my first month, and then what happened is I got a teenage son, and they're fucking obsessed with me. They fucking sing my songs in his school. They talk about like how hot of a mom I am. Oh, my and my God. son's friends started finding my OnlyFans. So now it's hard for me to promote. And because now my son's going to school, like getting teased and shit like that. You know what I mean? So it's hard having a teenage son and being a hot mom. Like, what, what does he say to you? He he hates it. He just can't never. He's like, mom, I can never go to school. They're like, he like the way that I talk. They always singing your songs. They compare you to Ice Spice. He hates the fact that his friends are like in love with me. Like literally he can't bring his friends over because they're like trying to flirt with me and all types of shit. What does he, what does your son say about the OnlyFans? Um, my son already, he's getting used to, like, he knows my story and shit. He doesn't like that I do it, but he also realizes that I'm a single mom and I'm just trying to provide and that 
it is what it is. So now he's starting, that's how he explains it to his friends now. Like, at least she's making money. Like, your wow. mom's not even fire enough to be able to have an OnlyFans. What's your mom look like? Like, uh, you know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. that's what I told him to say too. So, but yeah, like now we're moving to Florida and I just, I don't want people to know me. I don't want him to go through that in his new school right. and shit. So I have to be mindful now. So that's why I lost money though. Cause it's OnlyFans for a reason. So your fans are going to be the ones to subscribe. So even if I was to make a new page and try to promote that way, it's just not the same as grabbing your followers. You know what I mean? Wow. Oh. Damn. Oh shit, I didn't know we was being recorded. It's yeah, this is this is still oh, some man. this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Um this is good stuff. Yeah, but, but it's sort of like the illusion that OnlyFans creates, right? Like you say, oh you're not going too crazy on there, you know what I mean? But it's like I wish women I, I wish more women understood the fact that I'm, if I'm, you sell listen listen, listen I'm listen, grateful for the opportunity. If you could just sell the <laughs> illusion you could probably get more money than showing the real thing. Yeah, you know? like I, I had a, I was mentored on that too. Before I started the OnlyFans, I had like this guy, he's he's like popular and shit. Like, uh, and he talked to me, he's like, you better not go on there showing nothing. You better, I know women like you, they're successful on OnlyFans and they're just taking beautiful pictures that's and stuff. It. So that's why, then I think he made a page to spy on me to see what I was doing <laughs> on there. So I'm like, oh yeah, let me not yeah. go all out. But I do like, I will sell you some, so the whole world probably got uncensored pictures and videos of me, not like porn or nothing, mm -hmm. but just, you know, I, I get paid for phone sex too. Yeah. I'll do phone sex with you and stuff. And I, and I will sell you some pictures also because I'm celibate. Mm -hmm. I've been celibate for a while. I, I just held a guy, well, besides, you know, uh, you know, like I said, I had somebody close to me that just thinks he's entitled to my shit and will take it and constantly takes it. That's why I'm moving. But other than that, I'm celibate. I'm really celibate. Like, I'm not out here. So I actually get off from, like, the whole video sex. And yeah, this actually, is, like, the only thing you really can yeah, get. Right? Yeah, actually, you know, I started to enjoy it. You right. don't got to worry about STDs, pregnancy, right, 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 none right. of that, you know, and y'all can say whatever, but at least I ain't doing it in real life. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, say what you want. Like, but yeah, the whole world probably got, like, if I ever become famous, oh, my God, I know my pictures is going to get leaked. I don't care. I, I, Listen, I feel like that's why you get in front of it. You own your truth, then the white person. I feel like you. I'm young. My body's beautiful. I love my body. Mm -hmm. I love my body. <laughs> like you feel me? I'm young. I'm not gonna look like this forever. We was born naked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I really do. The only thing is having a teenage son, and then you gotta deal with about what his immature friends and stuff think. You know. Other than that, though, I'm ain't no shame in my game. Money is money. Anybody that know me know I'm a hustler. I'll sell a bottle, a quarter water. Like you feel me? It's Traveling Anonymous. My name is Chris Styles. Let's get it.